Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. I'm on location. The sunglasses are not just for show. I have uh, <laughs> sunlight directly shining in my face. I'm in Rocamador at the TT and i got to keep the window open because it's about a thousand degrees. So apologies if any helicopter noises, but maybe that's just the ambience <laughs> you're missing. It's a bit sterile on the pod maybe sometimes. Thanks as always to Zwift for supporting the show. The reason I'm here talking over this helicopter is, and France TV, by the way, they didn't want the helicopter didn't want to show any of the intermediates in this TT. So I don't know what this bloke's been doing the entire time because we didn't see any big guys intermediates. The reason I'm here and Benji's about to get on the train ASAP is because we're going to the Tour de France Femme Avec Zwift start tomorrow. The first stage, sprint stage, Viva's hot favourite. We'll be there at the Zwift booth on the Arc de Triomphe. We're G'd up. I can't wait, actually. I was like, you know when you get the end of Grand Tour Blues and like we're both overworked? Yeah. It's actually picked me up a little bit. Different riders, different racing. I'm excited. So thanks to Zwift for supporting the show and make sure you support and watch the fam starting tomorrow, eight-stage race. Check out the preview if you want to get up to date with that. But here we have... Rockamador. We I drove up this morning. It wasn't it got hotter throughout the day. I think Ghana had a slightly nicer conditions. It's a downhill TT on average to about 34Ks. And then they do two climbs. 1600 meters 5%, 1800 meters 6.2% to Rockamador. 430 meters climbing. Probably be like a 50 to 51k an hour average for the winner. We'd see how Jonas went. I picked Geraint Thomas without the earpiece, without the G-Lay. Um, but yeah, Benji, I went, it, it's been pretty chill here. And to be honest, there wasn't actually that much to be, there wasn't that much tension in this TT, was there? Ghana went early, then everyone had a nap, and then it's like, will Wout win or someone <laughs> else win? Because all the GC podium positions were absolutely in lockstep. Exactly. We had Canada went early. That first time was set, the first proper time after a few other riders like Mikael Bjerg and so forth. But it really came down to the second half of this time trial where, first of all, Wout Finard went, but still significantly before we got to the actual TTGC riders. So Wout Finard was able to set a damn good solid time, beating Ganad literally every time check. I was thinking that Ganad set an initial great, well, he usually negative splits. And I thought perhaps in the second half, Wout Fanard might have a hard of the time expanding his time on Ghana, which happened at the third time check, but in general, Wout Fanard just blew away Ghana by 42 seconds in this time trial. And then the GC riders came, and uh, it was not done. It was not done at all. So close. It was like, I don't know, Ghana said before the TT, Benji, did you believe him? He said, I have no belief I can win this TT. I think Wout's going to clean it. I didn't know whether he was bluffing or not because he has looked pretty tired. But then if you were Ghana, would you have got in the break yesterday? Absolutely not, right? You've got the TT today. I, I couldn't really I couldn't really tell. But anyway, here's the top ten. You know how we do it. 
Wow, the night wins. Ahead of Jonas Vingegaard, we'll discuss. Do you reckon Do you reckon Jonas gave it to him, Benji? Like, because oh. I had Danish people telling me Jonas just flicked the earpiece out. Jonas was full sending all the corners. He nearly crashed. <laughs> There's a row that comes into before they climb up to hospital and Jonas has taken it too wide, nearly gone. I was like, I, I, wasn't even, I don't even care at this point. I was like, Jonas, just stop. He's full sending it. Do you think the crash scared him? Do you think they told him give it to Wout? Or do you think he went out too hard? I think he, I don't think this was a gift. I don't think he, I think he ran out of steam slash the crash unnerved him. I think it's a combination of those two indeed. I don't think he gifted it. I think he came to the conclusion that he didn't necessarily need to go all out after that crash nerved him or that near crash in the descent. He like almost hit the wall there, the, the rock wall on the side. Like it scares a rider when that happens for a second. It startles you and you're like, okay, let's, uh, I need to secure the yellow jersey first. Wout is already in the position to win this time trial. So we're safe on both ends. There's no need to risk my life here to get that victory. And I think that's mostly the, the part there. But also this, the last climb was like 24k an hour instead of like the 30 that I saw of an odd go on that same section. So perhaps there was also some like, okay, I might have bottled it in that descent anyway. I, I'm not feeling that amazing anyway for the last climb a combination of everything there i would say when it comes to vingegaard but also and a great time trial to be honest yeah Wout wins you're that. right sorry danny martinez but Wout wins that if you know, if, if the plan wasn't Jonas full send um so yeah i think there's a bit of give and take i don't know but i think i think it would have been close but yeah Jonas second he beats pagacha by eight seconds while sitting it up sort of over the line Geraint Thomas, fourth. I picked him for the win, but he was 32 seconds behind uh, Wout Van Aert. Still a great TT, it must be said. Five seconds after Bogacha. Ghana in fifth on 48.41. I think their averages are all over 50. Yes, Ghana's the last one over 50. Then Molimer, another great TT in the Dutch National Champs jersey in sixth. Then Catania, Fred Wright on the Bahrain setup. Eighth. In, like... That's an incredible TT from him. Shackman 9th, Tratnik 10th, Kung 11th. So I think his, his legs were shot. There's a lot of transfer rumors about Stefan Kung um, and the money being broached is pretty big money. So yeah, anyway, is, let me look at the... Uh, but I wish you give congrats to Walfenaar Benji. He's obviously recovered another... He did this last year, won again. Um, Three stages in a row for Yama Visma. They'll be going for four tomorrow. The one-two with Vingegaard. Um, just, yeah, just a clinical performance, I guess. And maybe Ghana. I, I, I still think Ghana was. This isn't peak Ghana, by the way. I still yeah. think Ghana was a bit off. I think so as well. But I also think this is not the ideal Ghana time trial. Those climbs at the end, those are not the climbs on which Ghana should be able to ride the same speeds as a Wout or a Vingegaard or a Pogacar even. So. I would have expected this time trial to have that part at least not benefit Ghana over the others. But you're right, in the first like 70% of this time trial, Ghana should be able to go relatively even with Wout Finald. We saw it at the World Championships. We saw it at literally most of the time trials that they compete against each other, that it's really close. I think uh, Ghana's slightly off here. I think so. But still, on this sort of course... I still think Wout beats him. In terms of GC, though, the expected changes happened, except I think Menke's, Menke's had a shocker. Uh, so Vlasov moves into fifth from seventh on 1637. 
uh, Vingegaard, Pogaccia, Thomas, Gudu, one through four remain unchanged. But yeah, Vlasov seventh to fifth with not even his best TT, frankly, just an okay TT. But Nairo struggled um, as expected, but was fine. Like that was always going to happen. He goes from fifth to sixth. I still think that's a good result for Quintana. Bardet does an okay, but still not a great TT into seventh. And Menkes loses out on seventh by 10 seconds. And he, I think, lost like four minutes or something. 5.48, Benji. Wow. He lost 5.48 and lost out on a GC spot by 10 seconds. So that's a really bad TT, but I guess he did well in the other aspects of the Tour de France and the top 10 is still a big overperformance, I think, for Menkes and into Marche. So, yeah, decent TT, very picturesque. Wow, for not wins. Um, did you think, did you expect more from Pogaccia, Benji? Because, like, he would have been expected to beat Jonas Fingergaard in this TT, or is that just Fingergaard maybe doing too much in the technical start downhill to this? Because that's what I think. I think it's, um, I might agree there, but is it also perhaps the technical equipment changes that Fingergaard went through compared to last year? Last year, he didn't have TT extensions, the custom ones built for him. He didn't have like the the TT preparation built for him yet compared to this year in the tour when he was fully working for that Tour de France. Like, I think that might give a, a bit of a difference compared to last year, for example. But I agree that those technical parts might certainly help Vingegaard here. We've seen certainly in the descents this week that Vingegaard is very good when it comes to technical cornering and so forth. So you might be onto something there that those are the changes. But I think in general, Pogacar, is it simply because Pogacar, oh, I don't know. Is Pogacar on the level that he was last year? Do we consider that? Uh, yes, maybe. Well, maybe just different. Uh, I think mm-hmm. last year, yes, 2020, not sure. Um, his sprint to me is is crazy good. Like, and Insane. I don't know if he did more, I'm not his trainer, if he did more sprint training because he's focusing on wanting to win Tour of Flanders, Milano San Remo. I don't know. Wollongong. Like, yeah, true. Like for Wollongong, he can win a group sprint with almost anybody. Like who, there's no, who would line up in a group of six guys and you'd say Pagacha has zero chance of winning this. If there's if it's like an actual reduced group sprint after hills, like in his current Mark sprint Cavendish. Form, yeah, obviously, but probably UK won't even Britain won't even take him. So, you know, it is what it is. Like again, Cavendish. If you saw the English or British national champs, you know what he could have done today. Um, but yeah, big actual sprint unreal, long climbing, is it worse in twenty twenty? Maybe. Although in 2020, did he have to do the same sort of constant anaerobic attacking bursts? No, because in 2020, he was following more. So if before Col de la Lowe's in 2020, Pagacha had to attack on the climb where Bahrain steady paced, if he had to attack eight times, I'm sure his Col de la Lowe's effort would have been affected, but he didn't because it was more of a defensive. Then he won the TT. This Tour de France... I thought his performance on uh, what was the most recent climb, Altacam stage, was really, really, really good. Like, really good. He was just too far back, and that really cost him because the Grenon just lost so much time there. So, I don't know. I think, I definitely think the Heat played a big, big role in this Tour de France, Benji. Really big. This was a hot Tour de France almost all throughout, except for Denmark. 
um, the TT there was rainy, but I th- I think the heat affected the UAE riders relatively more than the Yumbo riders. Is that a, a matter of preparation or fueling then? Because yeah, I think we see, so. for example, before the stages, they've got like cold ice fests on and so forth. And every single team has that. Is there a difference in quality between the two? Is there a difference UAE? in how many? What, sorry? UAE has. Uh, I think I saw one on Pogacar on one of the stages, at least. I never see uh, it cooling so... down with it, though. No clue. No clue. Mm. I, don't know. I just, I think the edge is maybe slightly to Yumbo Visma in that sort of thing. Like, I, I, I just remember a couple of stages. Maybe Pogacar wore it the other times. Maybe he doesn't like it. I don't know. Um, but, like, there's one stage where Wout and Jonas were wearing the ice vest afterwards to get their their core body temperature down as quickly as possible, and UAE weren't. Ineos always have them. Yates in the ice bath. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just speculating. I'm not a performance coach, but I, I think the heat helped Jumbo Visma more, particularly as their riders, let's be honest, Jonas and Roglic are not good in cold and wet conditions. There's two men who thrive really well on that notably is carapaz and more particularly pagacha pagacha and cold and wet like i still think even if he lost that three minutes on granol if we if the perigude stage had been 10 degrees rainy all bets are off like him Jonas or roglish if he was there could have a terrible day there so he just got a bit unlucky with the weather but he got lucky with the weather last year so it swings and roundabouts what do you think do you i think he's just as strong, but some things have gone up, some things have gone down. I agree in that sense. The sprint has gone up, the climbing, I would have to see the proper numbers and so forth, but we also, like you say, don't know the exact effect of the weather, of the altitude on Granol, for example, that type of stuff. Does that make him crack instead of just the holding on factor? What does he do if he doesn't go all out trying to follow Jonas on Granol and sets his own tempo for the final few kilometers? Does he lose two minutes plus there like all these kind of questions it's difficult to know and people would have to uh go hardcore on analysis when it comes to those stages to uh figure out the details i'm afraid i uh don't know that yet at this point anyway that's the tour de france gc over just to remind you Jonas vingegaard wins subject to pagacha attacking on sean Solise, which go for it pagacha oh i'd if when they're clinking the champagne glasses together, attack. Just keep him on his toes one last time. But Vingard wins for now. 334 ahead of Pagacha. Thomas a valiant third. I think, yes, he's 813 back, but this is a really good performance from Thomas in third. Uh, Godu fourth on 1356. Huge gaps here. Vlasov fifth on 1637. Quintana sixth. 1724. Bade seventh. 1902. Menkes eighth. 1912. Lushenko ninth on 2347 yates 10th 2543 those gaps just unbelievably big gaps like i feel benji like we didn't see third to tenth no sorry the fourth to tenth battle almost at all like gudu it's a good result it's better than i thought he'd get but we barely saw those guys on tv except menkes because he was kind of getting up the road in the, in the third week yeah but i feel like we missed a lot in this Tour de France like on the climbs you I agree with you already on the climbs we didn't see that 4th to 10th battle that much because the eyes were always on Vingegaard versus Pogacar and there were so many situations where riders were up the road in those stages that both had to be on the screen and so forth and next to that 
We also had the eyes on Pinot, for example, on the Ingle stage the entire way through. But when it comes to today's time trial, I find uh, the coverage pretty pretty horrible towards the end of this time trial. Like I swear of like the first and second time check of the GC riders, I had to find out by the commentator reading radio tour instead of the riders actually crossing the, the time check lines. Did you feel the same or? Yeah, like, and I don't, do you trust the rolling ticker? I don't trust it. You know, the one that, mm-hmm. like, when they're rolling along, they're not going through an intermediate as minus eight. I'm like, I don't know about that. I'd like to see the actual intermediate time at the official timing, please. Um, so, yeah, that was a disappointment. Uh, but to be honest, I was in a bit of hol- holiday siesta mode uh, today. So after the NSTT, I was having a bit of a nap. And then I woke up when Jonas and Pagatcha and Thomas kicked off. So I did see the middle of Wouts and he was sending it and looking good. But yeah, I agree, Benji. I think I do think the general camera work has been not as bad as the Giro mm-hmm. this Tour de France, but I think that's because the break got killed in a lot of the stages. And I think if there had been a break winning, we would have still seen cameras on the seventh rider. What was the Padamoja or Mejev? Where the break, Jungle's one or the tenth one, where Court won. One of those, one of those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Pagacha got his team to send it. We didn't see anything because we were seeing seventh guy cross the line. We didn't. That didn't happen very often. I think because the break got destroyed by the GC group yeah. uh, in all the mount stages. But anyway, I think we'll give all our um, and our sort of declarations on this Tour de France, etc., at the end of uh, in the Tour de France stage recap. Um, congratulations to Yumbo Visma. They got green. They got yellow. Uh, six stages, the one, two today, and one stage left tomorrow. Uh, we have a little bit of an announcement as well, uh, and I guess an explanation as well. Um, so since February this year, Benji and I have been working closely with Yumbo Visma, actually providing consultancy services uh, with in relation to race strategy, uh, video analysis, and data. I've been supported by uh, Carl Sozels and Gabriel Strozik with some of the data stuff. They're a bit more into it than me. Um, and so, yeah, we'd like to congratulate the team and staff at Yumbo Visma for that. Thanks to Moraine, Grisha, and Matthew for working with us. The opportunity, absolutely fantastic opportunity. And I guess why are we announcing it now? And first of all, it's because we, we pretty much remain entirely 100% unfiltered on the podcast. And so the Tour de France preview you got was our real Tour de France unfiltered preview. And we think and thought, and I still think that that is the case, that that would have been impossible to do if we had announced this before the Tour de France. And it's a clause in the contract with Jumbo Visma that we retain 100% objectivity over the podcast, whatever Benji does on his personal social media channels, what I do on Lantern Rouge, main YouTube channel, we retain 100% right to criticize objectivity. And if you follow along with the podcast and the Tour de France, I think you can figure out some stages where maybe I did disagree with a few things. wouldn't be hard to find. Like, So that's, I guess, why we didn't announce it before. Uh, we're announcing it now. We we're always going to announce it now, uh, win or lose, just because it's actually been a very difficult balancing act not announcing it and also feels, I don't know, we just wanted to let the listeners know, but I'll throw it to Benji as well for his thoughts. 
Yeah, quite certainly. It's been a it's been an experience where we get to learn more when it comes to the inside of the sport, and therefore we can better our analysis on the podcast as well. But like you said, objectivity was the clause that had to be in the contract. Otherwise, there's no way I would have done it, for example, because we obviously want to uh, not hinder anything the podcast usually does. But um, yeah, in general, it's it's been a good experience. It's learning a lot when it comes to the details that you'd not see if you watch the sport from externally, I would dare to say. Do you agree on that? Of course. And that was a big draw card because obviously when it the proposal first came across, we were like, okay, this is potentially a difficult balancing act. And it is, of course. And But then the flip side of that was, okay, will it make the podcast better long-term if or whatever else we do if we're able to work with one of the best teams in the world, get insights into how they work, how they prepare for stages, data, you name it, etc. Obviously, like all data you hear is data that uh, Nychaka or Amity or Mihai, but mainly Nychaka, 99% of it, or Ozo on Cycling Graphs have calculated separately as nothing, it's not like fed in from Yumbo Visma. Obviously, all the information that comes from them has to remain confidential. Um, but still being able to learn from someone like Moraine, Grish and Matthew definitely makes the podcast better, um, I think, long-term. Uh, just because, you know, sometimes we have been probably armchair pundits, Benji. Sometimes we probably have been a little bit of the meme, particularly me, that, why didn't you attack? And, you know, when you actually speak to people in the sport and we're sort of, I'm definitely a bit of an outsider, then, you, I mean, sometimes I still think, I'm right on that, but sometimes they're like, no, there's X, Y, Z reason which you don't understand because you're not actually physically present why that didn't happen. So it's that sort of stuff that's been really good and I think will help uh, long-term. Whether we continue it in the future, obviously it's for the remainder of the year, the contract. Um, So that's continuing for the remainder of the year. Whether it continues in the future, maybe, hopefully. It's been a really good experience um, to think that we've maybe 0.1% helped in a Tour de France victory is quite rewarding um for me personally at least so hopefully <laughs> hopefully we did maybe we didn't maybe we just did we do um, it foggy maybe, was my pick why yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, rubbish is my pick <laughs> that was true rubbish is my pick and rubbish with my, my pick anyway i was going to triple down i'm still going to pick rubbish next year i'll let you know i don't even care if he doesn't line up i'm picking rubbish for the tour de france next year um, I'm picking Poggy. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So Benji truly is, <laughs> truly isn't biased. Um, but yeah, that's we just wanted to announce it. Let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, as I said, we have remained we're consultants, not employees. So we're trying to remain as objective as possible on the podcast. But yeah, let us know. Um, it's been a great Tour de France so far. Benji and I are meeting up in Paris, maybe for a bit of a celebration after the Tour de France Firm of Egg Zwift first stage tomorrow and the sprint stage um oh which we haven't picked a winner for yet benji oh god um philipson philip god damn it <laughs> you tweeted Philipson it yesterday be... benji tweeted yeah. yesterday. i stole it <laughs> <laughs> philipson was going to be my pick because the entirety of belgium wants wout fanart to win in the green jersey why but meh philipson give it to philipson then he can yeah. then he can prove that he's the top sprinter that he's already proven he is like he was one of the fastest sprinters the entire tour de france jakobsen's the rider that i see competing with him grunewagen on paper as well looks like tired. those three are the names he looks tired jakobsen you're right but i'm going with philipson for the reason that 
I do think that positioning is important, but I think the maneuvering through positioning is something Philipson's good at. And we didn't see it in week one, but we're going to see it on the Champs-Élysées. Philipson destroys everybody on the Champs-Élysées by 70 meters, at least. I think okay, we'll see tomorrow okay. if Groenewegen, by 70 meters. <laughs> see how fast 70 meters is? I don't think so. Not about Lydia, man. Jesus, this is a serious podcast. But yeah, I think Philipson wins. I think we will see... I think Jakobsen and Groenewegen should beat Wow. Although Laporte, he has the best lead-out, man. There's no Merku, no Rickard. Beck's lead-out bit iffy. I think Laporte might really be the trump card for Wout, but I just think Philipson's quicker. Anyway, that was the podcast. Bardet. Are they going to try and... Uh, are they, not, not Bardet. Are they, <laughs> as in Yumbo, going to try and look at the Tour de France so far? They won with Wout, they won with Vingegaard, and they won with um, Laporte. Laporte. Uh, on stage 19 will they try and win with Seb on that tiny uphill section of the tunnel or something we, we never know you gotta let Seb you gotta free Seb we've been saying it for years free <laughs> free Seb and no better chance than tomorrow um yeah let Seb go for the sprint I think or at least at least getting the break with like Brent Van Moor and uh Bissiger or whoever Jonas Roach wait for that break Seb get in it okay that's all from us I'm gonna have a nap um, it's pretty hot, and we'll see you with the recap of Tour de France Femme of X Swift first, and then the last stage of the men's tour tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 